Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this week, we hope you'll join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. for Sunday school or 10 a.m. for worship. Now, here's this week's message. I am glad to be here with you this morning as we continue our sermon series called The New You, where we are working through the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, or you can turn on your phone. That'll work. And if you don't have either of those things, the verses will be back here on the screen behind us. Today, we are going to focus on knowing God, because that's what we're going to see Paul asks uh, God for this church. Remember, so far we've seen this brief introduction to uh, this church. We've seen Paul talk about all of these things in Christ. He tells them to praise God for all that he's done in and through Jesus Christ. And then here he says, hey, I'm, I'm praying that you may know him better. And the distinction we're going to make this morning is that Paul doesn't tell them to know about God. Paul tells them to know God, to have a deep relationship with God. And as I'm sure you know, those two things are very different. And let's just get on the same page to make sure we're all there. You see, it's easy to know facts about somebody, isn't it? Especially in today's age, you can just get on Facebook, you can stalk them, you can learn what they wear, you can learn where they work, where they go to school, what their birthday is, who they're in a relationship with. You can say you know all about them and yet you've never met them. But it's harder to truly know somebody, like know their heart's desires. For one, you have to actually, well, meet them. You got to talk with them. You got to build a relationship with them. And as you know, that just takes a lot of work. It takes effort. In fact, in order to really know somebody, both parties have to be willing to let themselves be known. Because isn't it true? You can only know someone to the extent they are willing to let themselves be known. I mean, how many times have you heard about some, I mean, how many times have you known somebody, found out something much later, and you're like, man, I can't believe that. I feel like I haven't known you at all. Like, this is such a surprise, and so it's difficult. And so in order to really know somebody, to have this deep relationship with them, to where you can anticipate their heart's desires and, and really just know what they're going to do before they even do it, it takes time, it takes a relationship, it takes work. You see, God doesn't want you to just know about where your job is simply to learn facts about them. In fact, if your faith, before I say this, listen, I love you. <laughs> I learned that in the mountains that if you say you love somebody before you say something a little more difficult, it's supposed to make everything else you say okay. Is that true here too? Yeah? Okay, well good. So I love you. But if your faith starts and stops at the church doors, chances are you don't really know him at all. You see, just because you come and hear somebody else tell you about God, maybe you go to Sunday school and they explain some great things. Maybe you sit here and you listen to people sing about God, and maybe you earnestly sit and listen to me tell you about God. 
That is not what God wants. He doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him. And Paul, thankfully, tells us how you and I can do that. Let me ask you an honest question before we get started, before we go any further. Do you want to know God? Don't answer it, but be honest. Do you want to know him? Do you want a real relationship with him? Are you here just because someone made you come? Are you here just because you feel like you have to? Are you here because you think that something's going to happen outside of here if you come and something magical? I mean, are you here to know him? Well, if so, we're going to talk about how. how. Just be open and listen to what he says. Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 15 through 16. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, for this reason, Paul is referring to everything we talked about last week. The fact that you have been chosen by the Father and in Christ and through Christ, you have been redeemed by Jesus. And then he talks about that we have been given his spirit and marked and sealed in him. You see, we know God through Jesus Christ. Jesus has revealed to us who God is and we can have a relationship with him. But that is just the start. That's just the introduction, kind of like a first date. It's just the beginning of a relationship. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, there's the words we're looking for this week, know him better. You see, we touched on it last week. We're going to pull it out a little bit more this week. But Paul tells us, to dwell on God and, and pay attention. He calls us to a Trinitarian view, the, the God, the Father, and the Son view of God. You see, we're chosen by the Father, we're redeemed by the Son, and we're marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And here he's continuing this thought, this oneness of God. All three are mentioned for us to know God better. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the one thing we're going to pull out today is that to know God, you have to know and be led by His Spirit. We have to experience His Spirit. And what I want you to see this morning that we must be open to the Holy Spirit. And I've been in Baptist churches long enough to know this can be scary, can't it? We don't talk about the Spirit as much as, well, perhaps we should. But that's what Paul hears, this idea of being drawn by the Spirit. You see, he says, Paul's prayer is for illumination, that the, the lights would be turned on, that they would be revealed what the Spirit can do. You see, illumination is where the Holy Spirit opens our eyes so we can see things that are available to us, things that are already there, kind of like you go into a room and you turn the lights on. Did everything in that room just appear or was it already there? Do we, we don't know the answer. It was already there. Yeah, the light just illuminates, and that's what he's going to talk about. The fact that the Holy Spirit is the one that turns that light switch on. 
That there's so much available to us, so much already here, all that Christ has already done. And because of him, because of who God is, there's so much there for you and I. We just have to let the Holy Spirit turn it on to enlighten us to it. You see, it's not our job to understand how the Spirit works. It's our job to understand, excuse me, it's our job to be open to allowing him to work. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us into a deeper relationship with God. The Holy Spirit will make much of Jesus, and Jesus will make much of the Father. If you pay attention to Scripture, Paul is quite clear that you and I are to be led by the Spirit. We're to be empowered by the Spirit. We are gifted by the Spirit. And the one thing he looks at here is the revelation from the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, wisdom, if you didn't know, wisdom is the ability to have rational thoughts, rational thoughts about God. And while uh, faith isn't always rational, Christianity has always been a thinking faith. It's always been a faith where you can put your intellect into it and come out on the other side stronger than ever. And you see, look at what James 1.5 says. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. And I have found, I don't know about you, but I have found this prayer to be extremely true. When I was younger, I would ask God every single day to give me more wisdom. To give me more wisdom. To keep pouring it on. It didn't work as far as academics. I don't know what happened there. Perhaps he was referring to knowing him. But this wisdom, I need it. And if you do it, if you ask him for it, he says he will graciously give it to you. And revelation is the communication of knowledge that was previously hidden. And so what's going on here is Paul is praying, because we already know they have the Holy Spirit. So the idea is that the Holy Spirit will continue to give them wisdom and revelation. Because it takes those two things, you already know this, but it takes those two things to have a good relationship with anybody. You have to have wisdom and you have to have revelation. For instance, when me and Jessica first got married, as I told you, she, well, I, I wish it was when we first got married. It's, it was after that, okay? I'm just being honest, okay? I, I didn't start off perfect. Did you know that? It took about three years, then I became the perfect husband. But as I told you, she is in charge of cooking, not because I'm lazy. It's because the food I cook tastes horrible, right? So, like, that's why I don't cook and she used to say well I don't have anything planned tonight she's revealing something to me without wisdom you might say perhaps I did why not we have to eat every single day by the way it's not a smart thing to say to your wife if you didn't know you shouldn't say things like that You see, I thought she was saying, when she said, I don't have anything planned for dinner, I thought she was saying, I don't care about you. I want you to starve to death, and I don't care if you eat. That's how I felt. But what I learned was she was revealing something to me. When she was saying, I don't have anything planned, what she was saying is, honey, do you have something in mind for dinner tonight? She's saying, honey, I'm open. What I learned was if I took wisdom, 
what, what I knew to be true about my wife, that my wife doesn't hate me, that my wife doesn't want me to starve to death. In fact, my wife actually loves me and enjoys doing things for me. Like, when I remember all of that and I apply it to a situation, I, I could then see what my wife was actually revealing to me. She's saying, honey, are you open? What do you want? I want to cook what you would like tonight. So when I applied wisdom to what she revealed, it deepened our relationship. It, took, it takes both of those things, wisdom and revelation, in order for anybody to really come together, to really grow and deepen their understanding of each other. You see, God reveals, and he has been revealing, and it takes us using wisdom and applying what he's revealed to truly understand him. First, I ask, how serious do you take the revelation of God? You see, God isn't unknowable. Scriptures paint a picture that God is a God who is constantly revealing himself to us. He's made himself known through creation. He's made himself known through people, but also through what we call special revelation, where God has made himself known through Jesus Christ, and then in return, God has revealed himself through the scriptures. God is a God who's constantly revealing himself to us. And in that, and you probably know this, at least I hope you do, we learn that God loves us, that God is for us, that God has a plan for you, that God wants to know you, that God believes in you, that God forgives you, that you are valuable, that you're uniquely created. I mean, Paul just touched on those things in 14 verses we just looked at last week. If that's how God has revealed, um, that, if that's what God has revealed to us, then what that means is that no matter what happens in life, I use wisdom and realize that he doesn't hate me. That it's not that I'm not good enough. He's not punishing me. That when all these things happen, I remember what he reveals. I use wisdom in the situation and I can come out really seeking him, not getting caught up in things that aren't true. But when I don't take his revelation serious, when I don't invest in that relationship with him, when I don't really know him, it'll cause me, it'll cause you to start thinking and living lives that are completely misguided. We expect God to do things that he never said he would do. We expect God to act a certain way that he never, that is not who he is. And you see, it's the spirit. It's the spirit who illuminates us to the wisdom and the revelation of God. Without the spirit, we'll be left to our own strength, our own understanding, and our limited knowledge to try to understand God. But you see, Paul says, no, I want you to know God better. And you and I can do that through the spirit. And he's asking that we would understand and that we can ask the Spirit that he may turn those lights on to us. That he, may, that he may reveal things that are hidden to us. And we can use wisdom to apply it to that situation. Which means you and I must be open to the movement and the leading of God's Holy Spirit. To hear his prompting. And in that he says, listen, that, the, that, we, that God will... The spirit and revelation will come into our lives and that he would enlighten us to three specific things. 
We could touch on these all day. I could have sermons on each individual thing. We're just going to look at one a little bit more in depth. He says this. He says in verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's the idea of illumination again. In order that you may know, number one, the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. You see, all of these things are parts of the gospel, the story of the gospel, what Jesus has done. He says, I ask that the eyes of your hearts may be open that, listen, this is already available. This has already happened. This is what's there. You just have to be in tuned to it. The first one, he says, the hope to which you have been called, that's living for the Father. That's the idea that we talked about last week, that you have been chosen, that you have a purpose on this earth. That God has a plan for you. That you have something to hope for. Listen, I know this world can seem hopeless. It will do everything to try to suck the life out of you and have you just be miserable. Paul says, no, there is hope. What God has done, what God is doing, there is hope. He says, I I pray that you can be, the light switch will come on and you'd see the hope. You'd experience it. Number two, he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance, his holy people. That's those who've been redeemed by the Son. Let me ask you a question. When you think of an inheritance, what do you think of? Or perhaps you think of the lack of one. When you think of inheritance, it's usually money. It's usually possessions. It's something that you're looking forward to getting one day. Check out what God's inheritance is. It says... The riches of his glorious inheritance. What is his glorious inheritance? In his what? So listen. Do you know you are considered God's glorious inheritance? Do you know you are what God looks forward to receiving one day? You are his inheritance. You are what he's excited about. The church, the body of Christ, we are what God looks forward to receiving. So I don't feel that way. Pray that your eyes would be enlightened, that your heart would be open to see how much God cares about you. How valuable you really are. That he looks forward to receiving you and you being with him. The next one. The great power available for us who believe. And that's through the Spirit. And here's where we have to let the Bible speak. Because here's where we can start to get a little little bit nervous. So let's let Paul explain what this power is. How powerful is it? It says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's far above ruler and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. That alone should change your prayer life. It should change it upside down and inside out. He is saying that he prays that they know his power, that we would understand what's available to us. He says, you want to know what God can do? God can raise people from the dead and sit them at the great power of authority above anything 
above this earth or any dominion. Christ is in that position. That's what Christ can do. So what are you asking God for? Are we tapping into his great power when we're praying for safety to go to work? Saying, God, i got to go work tomorrow. Will you just be with me as I go in my car that has airbags and seat belts and all the other stuff? I mean, what are we asking him for? Are we really tapping into the power available to us? And again, he's calling them to know him better. And he's leaning on the great power available to us as believers through the Holy Spirit. And I understand the caution that comes when we get to the Spirit because we can't make God do anything. And people do really weird things in the name of the Spirit. I mean, I knew a lady, and it's not, I mean, I actually knew her, who she went up to a married man and told him that the Spirit was leading him, her, to tell him to leave his wife for her. And I said, I'm sure that was the Spirit. I just don't think it was the Holy Spirit who did that. So I I get it. People do crazy things in the name of the Holy Spirit. But understand that the Spirit will always point you to know God. It will make much of Jesus and much of the Father. And he says there is an immeasurable great power available to those who believe. What does that mean? I don't know. But I'm curious. Aren't you? Are you curious the power that power that's available through the spirit that believers have now he's going to switch gears a bit he's going to get caught up and excited about what he's saying and remember he wants them to have their eyes open to this hope to the church to the power available he says that same power who seated christ above everything and then he says and god placed all things under his feet and appointed him head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything and every way. So Paul here says that Christ is the head of the church. He isn't just up there in a hammock just relaxing and just enjoying it. He is the ruler of all seated in the highest position possible. Ready to act on behalf of his body. The picture here is Christ is ready to act. Christ is ready to move for God's glory through us. Klein Snodgrass says, Christ is the plate, is in the place where God's presence, power, and salvation are known, and the church draws on this fullness. So the idea is Christ is in the position of power, Christ is in the position of authority, and we draw our power from him because of who he is. Remember, it's not about us. It's not what we can do, it's about what he we can get from him and do for him. You see, knowing God is our highest pursuit in life. That's what Paul's calling our attention to, to know him, to be enlightened for him, to have our hearts be open to what he can do and is doing in this world. See, J.I. Packer wrote a great book called Knowing God. If you've never read it, you should check it out. It's pretty amazing. He says there's evidence in a person's life between knowing about God And then actually knowing God. But I would push it further to say these evidences he calls them are actually signs of the spirit working in your life. Because according to Paul, that's how we know God deeper. 
is through his spirit. Packer says, those who know God have a great energy for God. They have great thoughts of God. They show great boldness for God. And they have a great contentment in God. You see, the Holy Spirit will give you a great energy for God. Do you get excited about God? The Holy Spirit will summon great thoughts on God. Do you ever ponder and think about how awesome and amazing he is? The Holy Spirit will give you a great boldness for God. Are you bold for him? Do you want to be bold for God? Have you asked him? The Holy Spirit will fill, will fill you with a great contentment in God. Can you imagine a place where you're so content and just in who God is? And that knowing him was actually enough? That knowing God and having a relationship with God brought you satisfaction? I mean, that is what he's saying is available. That's what Paul is calling attention to. That just knowing him and who God is and our relationship with God can do these things. But you and I must be open to the Holy Spirit. We must be open to allowing him to move in our lives so we can have a deeper relationship with him. Which makes me wonder and perhaps makes you wonder, well, how? I mean, how am I open to the Spirit? I mean, if all that's true, if God's for me and God loves me and the Holy Spirit's here to help me and, and work with me and there's just powers, like, that's all great, Brian, but how am I open to it? Like, how do I get involved in that? They're called spiritual disciplines. You ever heard of that, spiritual disciplines? Yeah, if not, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad we're talking about it. spiritual disciplines. You can Google it. Just Google, Christ, put Christian first, by the way. Christian spiritual disciplines. Use Google. It'll help you. There are things like Bible study, prayer, meditation, fasting, giving, solitude, silence, and, and so on. You see, embarrassingly, and maybe this isn't your story, but I'm just telling you, this is my story. Embarrassingly, I used to think spiritual disciplines were ways I could get God to do something for me. I felt like if I read the Bible more, then God would do what I wanted him to do. If I showed up to church, then he would get me out of trouble. If I meditated on his word, if I tithed, like, I wanted to do these things so then God would do something for me. It's as if I had this magical, magical formula figured out, and if I did them, then he would act. What I was doing was relying on my works. I'll do this, God, then you need to do this. Like, that's our relationship, that I can prompt God whenever I need him to move. And maybe you do this kind of thing, too. I don't know. If life gets hard and life gets terrible, is that when you decide to go to church? Did you know we're here all the other times, too? That's what I would do. I was famous for getting in a whole lot of trouble and doing a whole lot of things I shouldn't do. Then I'd read the Bible that night trying to get God to get me out of trouble. You ever done that? As if he was our get out of jail free card? I mean, it'd be crazy to think I should read my Bible not to get me in trouble rather than trying to get me out of trouble. But see, that's how I approached him. I thought that I do these things and they will provoke him to do something for me, kind of like what my kids do to me. They try to figure out this magical formula. They're like, Daddy, did I do good at 
practice. I'm like, yeah, you did great. They're like, does that get a, I mean, I get a milkshake now? I mean, I did this. Does that mean you do that? They're like, Daddy, if we're good in the store, does that mean you buy us a toy? I say, no, it means you don't get a spanking. Like, that's what that means. That's what you don't get out of this. So, so think about that. I mean, I know it sounds silly. I'm just telling you how I've approached it. Do you approach things like Bible reading and prayer and going to church as if God's going to do something because you all of a sudden did something? You see, spiritual disciplines aren't magical formulas. That's why they don't work for many of us. We think, well, I read the Bible and God didn't come through, so now I'm done reading the Bible. It doesn't work. Bible does not work. God didn't come through. We think, well, I went to church and that still happened, so church doesn't work. I don't even need church. I got this. See, that's not how they are supposed to work, nor have they ever been intended to work that way. I don't know where I learned it. I'm just telling you that's what I thought. You see, spiritual disciplines, their goal isn't for you to get God to do something. Spiritual disciplines are so you are open to, open to what the Spirit's doing. Spiritual disciplines prepare me to hear from God. Spiritual disciplines prepare me to be used by God. You see, God's already moving, God's already alive, God's already active, God already has a plan, God already has a purpose. God, I mean, God's already doing things. So I read the Bible to learn about God. I learn the Bible to understand how he works. I learn the Bible to be prepared to be led by him. I pray to get my heart right to hear from him, to hear him talk to me. Of course I tell him what I want. Of course I pray that he leads me in all of these things. But spiritual disciplines are about me getting in tune with him, not me doing something so he will do something for me. In other words, what I'm trying to say, if you are looking to do things to make God do something for you, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not how he works. We don't do things to get him to do something. He is already doing things. We are to align ourselves with him. God is not here to serve us. We are here to serve him. Packer says this. He says, what are we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says, once you become aware of the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. You see, God is moving. His spirit is available. It's, he's saying it's already there. We just have to be illuminated to it. And that's what spiritual disciplines are. They're ways for us to have, get wisdom and learn wisdom and, and bring all of this together so then we can act according to what God is doing in the world. It's called a relationship. That's how we build that. We learn and he speaks and it's a going back and forth, not to manipulate him. I don't want him to get, a, get us out of trouble when we get ourselves in it. But we have to be open to the spirit. We have to be open to this deeper relationship. We want to be able to hear him. Because the Holy Spirit wants to bring you to a place where you experience the goodness and the greatness of God. He wants to move you to being on board with what he's doing in this world. But are you open? I mean, are you ready? 
Have you asked him? See, my goal today is simply to talk about the Holy Spirit because Paul's going to talk about him a lot. And it's to get you open to talking and thinking and being empowered by the Spirit. Scott McKnight gives me, gives you this prayer. He says this, if you want to be open to the Spirit, perhaps you've never prayed something like this. Just say, Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come to me, dwell in me, speak to me so that I may become more like Christ. Lord, give me the courage to be open. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And my challenge to you this week is simply to be praying for God. Praying for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. So that you can hear from Him. And what I'm asking you to do is not pray this week to get something from Him. I'm asking you to pray this week to hear from Him. They say, Lord, I am open. Lord, I am ready. Lord, I want you to move in my life. Lord, I want to hear from you. And see what he does with that. You see, think about this. The primary way God communicated to us is that he's our father. And as a father, I can tell you the number one thing I want for my kids is them to enjoy me and spend time with me. I don't want them to spend time with me just to get things from me. In fact, it drives me crazy. I don't want them to try to figure out how to manipulate me and how can I get you to activate your generosity, Dad? How can I get you to do this for me, Dad? You see, whether they know it or not, I want great things for my kids. Whether they know it or not, I am for them. They don't have to try to manipulate me to do things for them. I already want to do them for them. And if they would just take the time to get to know me, they would see that and they would experience it. And that's what I want you to get from God. He is already for you. He already loves you. Just get to know him. Spend time with him. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today just craving to know you. Father, we want to know you better. Father, we know that the only way to even have a relationship with you is through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that anybody here who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ, they will feel led to call upon him today. To turn their life over to Jesus who died on the cross for their sins and rose to give them a new life. Father, those here who know you, who know Jesus, I pray, I pray that you would have the Holy Spirit bring us into a deeper relationship with you. That you would open our eyes, you would enlighten us, illuminate us to the things that are already available. The things you've already done. And I pray we would spend time this week getting to know you. To taking your word serious, to hearing from you, to praying that we could be a part of what you're doing. Father, what I'm asking is for you to lead us. Praying that we are open to your spirit. We're open to being led by your spirit. Have a deeper relationship with you. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.